0: Get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood curtain, it's time for. Suck Tash! Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy. Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, Comedy Soundcast Soundcaster, Tyson
1: yeah. Sainter! Yeah.
2: Saluton! It is I, Tyson Saner, your audio tour guide, or something like that. Come with me, won't you, as we explore assorted points of interest in soundcast land for the next hour or so. I've got some good ones for you. There's clips from Launch Left, Raised by TV, Whiting Wongs, Doughboys, Wife of the Party, and the Movie Court. In addition, we have a single shot of Raging Moderate Will Durst's Burst to Durst, a classic Anderson's Pants ad, and a couple of shout-outs for good measure. It's a pretty decent lineup, so let's get cracking. Our first offering tonight is the soundcast from Starburns Audio, Launch Left, with hosts Rain, Joan of Arc Phoenix, and Moon Unit Zappa. They kicked off their first episode on October 31st, 2017, and have been putting out content since then. So if you go to starburns.audio forward slash podcast forward slash launch left, the description on the page will read, Rain, Joan of Arc Phoenix, and Moon Unit Zappa, interview extraordinary minds mavericks and pioneers in their unique fields as two women from artistically uncompromising families rain and moon celebrate nonconformists who achieve success by doing it their way and support quote left of center unquote emerging artists that is to say the show features established musicians promoting or curating less mainstream musicians their guests are referred to as curators and in this clip from december 26th of 2017 the curator is none other than Moon Zappa's brother, Dweezil Zappa, who gives a humorous lesson in tritones.
3: And what did what did you bring today? What guitar is that?
4: This one's a custom-made one. A friend of mine, uh, he has a company called Echo Park Guitars, and uh, he used to be located out here in Los Angeles in the Echo Park area, but uh, he moved to Detroit, and this, this particular guitar is made out of... Um, which is not the normal wood for this style of guitar so it's uh he had old stock carina and he put this nice guitar together it's uh it's got a really cool sound to it and it's um it's fun to play so uh i've been working it into things and gonna bring it on the road as well
5: should we have him play something right away? A little something. Sure, play something.
4: I don't have any prepared songs for you, but oh, you I can, don't. Uh, no, but I, I could. I could play. Um, Just
6: show off some of your like licks.
4: Oh, show off. Some <laughs> show licks. off. Just
6: show off. Well,
4: one. here's here's one thing. Here's here's like a little. I can
6: always play a G chord if you want. Or something. <laughs> yeah, here's,
4: here's a little mini music lesson that uh, that I'm sure you guys uh, will be able to to get the the clearance for um because it'll it'll turn into something you'll see in a moment but ultimately there's three things people hate uh when they hear music there's three tonalities that are generally despised and this one even since medieval times people have hated this sound right here it's the sound of a tritone which is uh Generally regarded as the, the the worst sounding possibility for two notes to to coexist, and so that one sound right there is is probably uh, like you'd rather be on the rack than I hear feel that like sound. That's my next
3: record. Yeah,
4: well, it it can be very useful in in some uh, in some cases, but generally this is just not well
5: liked.
4: It's sort I of a grating sound. All right, so. Here's another one. These this is just two notes that are side by side, basically a half step apart. So it would be this and then this note together, but played at the same time. That doesn't usually make people feel uh, safe or comfortable. <laughs> um, so so That's so weird. I wanted yeah. to curl up with the book when I heard that. Yeah. That? And so the another one is very close to that one, it's just that you have a little more space between the notes, so you have and, but together, so that's more like something you would hear like in chopsticks, right? So, but those three sounds, this and this, if you put them all together in this order, Sounds good. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Zap a toilet. It's dunk. all the three <laughs> worst possible sounds. <laughs> put together in one song, which is very humorous. Uh, and
3: it's such a uh, memorable se- uh, song. You I mean, it's yeah. unmistakable. That's yeah. un- Can anyone un-
6: do Rod Sterling's voice now to, after?
3: <sighs> Welcome to the
4: Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. so he's, uh, yes. he's really, that was uh, Moon doing that, Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the kind of thing that uh, there is a sense of humor in music in ways that maybe people don't realize. So that right there... The composer probably was thinking, you know, what would be hilarious. Let's just take the worst sounds possible and make it the theme song for this show. Like everything that makes you as uncomfortable as possible. Who was that composer? I'm, I don't know. Anyone know? know? If, uh, I, I. I w- now I'm curious cool. to see what yeah. else he he did. I'm uh, not Mr. sure who or it, she. Yeah, it's possible it was the same guy that did the music to Psycho, which I think was Bernard Herman. How, How does that I,
5: go? Oh no, we can't. Do yeah. That. Well, or but I yeah, Dream of Zini.
4: That just had the same kind of thing, where it's like. <laughs> You know, right. whenever there's the, the yeah, knife. it was
6: Bernard, by the way. Yeah, according to Brendan in the uh, control room, he's he's put
2: huh. up a note. Bernard
4: for us. Sherman or Herman, he did uh, *Twilight Zone* as well.
2: Interesting, That's pretty sweet. Now there's quite a bit more in that interview, uh, both of musical demonstrations and also there's a kind of an impromptu jam session that unfolds. You can listen to more of *Launch Left* on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, and iHeartRadio, and of course you can go to their home site on Starburns Audio at starburns.audio forward slash podcasts forward slash launch left. Among my favorite improvisers that I hear on Soundcasts, such as Scott Ackerman's Comedy Bang Bang and Matt Besser's for Humans, are Lauren Lapkus and John Gabrus. They have a podcast together. It's called Raised by TV. The first episode debuted in October eighth, 2017. And if you read the description on Art19 or Earwolf, you'll learn... When John Gabris and Lauren Lapkus were growing up, they watched a lot of TV. Like, a lot of TV. Now adults, with minds hopelessly warped by television, they've come together to indulge their shared obsession. On Raised by TV, John and Lauren revisit the best and worst TV of the late 80s and early 90s. Everything from game shows and TGIF to Oprah and serial commercials. This clip is from episode eight, from December twenty seventh, twenty seventeen, from an episode called Sketch Comedy.
6: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Arthur, Belky, Urkel, Nickel.
7: sauce. Welcome to Raised by TV. I'm John Gabriel. And I'm
6: Lauren Lapkus.
7: Ah, oh, the favorite part of my week or day, depending on <laughs> how what we're doing.
6: Yes, I'm so excited to be back in the studio with you. Let's just
7: get back in the studio and just riff, sweetheart. Let's just
6: riff, no prep. <laughs> but we do have a topic, and it is sketch comedy. I feel
7: weird doing an episode about sketch comedy, but before we were sketch comics, we were sketch comedy fans. Yeah, yeah and I mean, yeah. I feel
6: like you have to pay homage yeah. to that part of life. So you have to
7: pa homage, you have to pa- as I homage. both of those. Thank you.
6: That did sound way better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we grew up watching a ton of that shit and made us want to do this, right? Uh, of
7: course. Of course. I yeah. feel like you don't get through an interview with Mark uh, Marin or any other comedy without saying like, I stayed up late watching SNL. I know. Yeah. I know. And I'm beginning to think that, you know, 75% of the world did that. Even right. With it, but it... 95% of comedians did that.
6: So they act like it's their special thing they did, but it was like, yeah, everyone was doing that. Yeah,
7: I think, like, <laughs> eight of my closest friends stayed up to watch SNL, too, and I'm the only one that's a comedian out
6: of them. Yeah, I do think in my group of friends, I was, like, in elementary school, I was kind of the only one doing it because <laughs> I knew I had, or of my friends, because I had a little, like, reference base that they didn't have, really. And, and what was that? Like, just from SNL, like, characters and stuff. Oh, like oh, okay. I would Like, I was obsessed with certain people and would do, like, bits that I liked, and it was oh, like... Yeah. People didn't really know it. <laughs> I mean, they liked what I was doing. It was like I had fun, but it was never anyone being like, oh, yeah, I remember that on this part. And you can that. kind
7: of like steal it, though. Oh, bit. totally. Yeah. yeah. You're like,
6: superstar. Yeah. Of and they're I all like, oh, like, Labgis is fucking hysterical. I'm sure I was casting a lot of it <laughs> on my own. Some I mean, shitting.
7: that's how like every comedian, like when I was five, I was doing like Eddie Murphy routines. Yeah. Uh, because I was like allowed to watch, as we've discussed, R-rated shit. All oh, the
6: God. Time. If my God. If I had a kid and they were doing that, <laughs> I'd be so happy. Yeah. Like, t- talking, like doing Eddie. Murphy impressions would kill me.
7: Luckily, I wasn't doing "What if Mr. T was a," f- it, which is the title of a premise on his album. Oh my! It's God. listed as a track title. Yeah, a lot of his stuff doesn't, doesn't hold up. I, I
6: had never seen Delirious, and uh, I actually I still haven't seen it. And in high school. This guy that I liked um, invited me over to his house to watch Delirious, and then I never went because he was kind of intimidating to me. But um, And so
7: he never got a chance to show you his purple leather jumpsuit, <laughs> which, by the way, is not innuendo. I meant like <laughs> no, I always forget he wears purple in one and red in the no, other. No, he's I,
6: red and Delirious I and think. raw
7: and raw is purple. Yeah, I'm mean,
6: mixing up. But anyways, I I turned it on recently, and it was like the like, every. Like, joke was the most offensive, gay, oh, yeah. bashing yeah, sort of can thing. Yeah, you get
7: AIDS on your lip. Yeah, it yeah. was
6: fucking ridiculous. I mean <laughs> –
7: But then there's the, all the shit about Umfufu and uh, – I'm the, sorry, not Umfufu. Uh, a guni gugu. Umfufu is raw. And then also uh, G.I. Joe swimming underwater, going to find out where the bubbles came from. <laughs> it's a whole routine about him and his brother We're farting. farting. <laughs> yeah, and he let out a fart. A fuck in the bathtub. Like, oh, Eddie Murphy. I'm going to, I should not be doing no, it's a fine. problematic impression, but that's what Eddie Murphy sounds like. No,
6: that's exactly how he sounds. I'm not doing
7: every black person alive. Now I've it's le-
3: getting weird.
7: Yeah, now it's getting <laughs> weird. Because now I'm doing every black person alive. Well,
6: wait, on this same, I feel like we naturally are going to end up talking about Stand up as well because I watched so much stand up growing up and like every premium blend and all of that stuff. Oh, any stand up special I could get my hands on on reruns. Um, yeah, it's
7: hard not to talk about stand up because like that's what I would really memorize. Like, I remember when I saw Dana Carvey's Critics' Choice for the first time, I memorized that entire stand
6: up. And now, were you seeking him (coughs) out? Were you seeking him out because of SNL, or did you? Yes,
7: I think so because I I think my I think Wayne's World. Mm. I'm trying to figure out the time. I have no idea what the timeline of everything is because even if it came out in that order, I didn't see it necessarily. But you know
6: what's so weird? I don't think of him as being Garth. Me I neither. think of that as like Mike Myers thing, and then I'm like Turtle Turtle is fucking Dana Carvey. <laughs> oh yeah, Dana
7: Carvey. His best movie is Pistachio Disguising <laughs> and fucking Master of Disguise.
6: <laughs> I mean, he's he was very funny on SNL. I loved um, Church Lady. I I love yeah. that. There were a Hans bunch and of Frans. things. Chopin Bacolet, Chopin oh yeah, yeah, I didn't even know what that was. That's from it, I he does it.
7: that in Critics Choice in the stage. Oh
6: just, oh yeah, no uh, rock, I've seen that. I've seen that. Rockers can make anything cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah.
7: He also does a twenty minute. A bit about the oj trial and it's fucking powerful and powerful. timeless
6: it's powerful is it's moving <laughs> it's
7: moving and powerful and emotional
6: uh is um, it
2: good um it's really good the soundcast season finale posted on january 10th 2018 and on march 12th at 12 p.m they announced season two of raised by tv would begin april 11th of 2018 if you like what you heard all past episodes can currently be found at airwolf Art19, and Stitcher. And if you want to reach out to them, you can write them at raisedbytvpod at gmail.com. The show on Twitter is rbtvpod, or rbtvpod. Lauren Lapkus can be reached at at Lauren Lapkus, L-A-U-R-E-N, L-A-P-K-U-S, and John Gabrus at Gabrus, G-A-B-R-U-S. Next up, Whiting Bongs, from hosts Jessica Gao and Dan Harmon and Starburns Media. The iTunes description reads as follows. An honest conversation about race and writing between two people who think very highly of themselves. Dan Harmon and Jessica Gow know they won't solve racism in Hollywood, but they still like to talk about it, sometimes with guests. Now, according to IMDb, quote, Jessica Gow is a writer and art director known for Silicon Valley, Rick and Morty, and Labrats. On her Twitter page under the handle at Chairman Gow, Jessica Gow's information reads OK Writer, Corporate, Rick and Morty, Bajillion Dollar Properties, Silicon Valley, Robot Chicken, and podcast, Whiting Longs. The first episode debuted on October 18th, 2017 on iTunes. I've clipped episode four titled, quote, They Invented Those Finger Traps from November 2nd, 2017, because it is the first episode that was recorded after people had had the chance to listen and respond to the first three episodes.
8: Um, so why don't we turn it over? Do you want to talk about like your experience like uh, uh, after the podcast dropped like poking around the internet?
3: Uh, yeah, um, I think the nice I was very, very hesitant about doing this, but I did go look on the Reddit thread um, after her. Well, my my boyfriend was on it and he and he told me to look at it. And uh, and it was it was nice because I was pleasantly surprised because even though people were disagreeing with me and each other, like I think for the most part, everyone was at least offering thoughtful responses and even if I disagree with what they're saying, like, no one's out now just being a dick. Like, right. they have whatever reasons they have for disagreeing with, uh, each other. And I feel like that's our best case scenario is getting people to talk about this stuff more. One, um, recurring sentiment, um, in the emails has been people to, uh, have kind of taken issue with, uh, uh, with you saying that millennials uh, don't want to talk about race, right? Because a lot of people were like, "I'm a millennial, and my friends and I all talk about race." That's that's exactly yeah.
8: what I saw right away. That's like, it's, yeah. like, it's like if you looked at fifty things, and I don't know that you did, and I looked at one thing. That's like it's interesting to hear you say that that that's prevalent because yeah. I looked at one thing, yeah. saw that, and like closed my laptop because yeah. it was an immediate conversation about how wrong I was. But <laughs> and, 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 but 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 hey, that's, that that is great news. I love being wrong about that. And 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 the truth is, if you listen to that. That episode or these three episodes, I completely contradict myself immediately. Like I, I, I'm, I'm. It's a, it's a potpourri of like all these like weird opinions I've been forming over ten years about millennials. Like, what does millennial mean? It means young person. Now it means old person. Yeah. But uh, I'm even older. And It means younger old person. And it means it means it just means like it's like the word hipster. It's like whatever. So I, I kind of what, what I really meant, like let's remove the word millennial from it. What mm-hmm. I what I should have said was, hey, like like we we have gotten this far by like having these sort of like party foul kind of like um, boundary around these conversations, where it's just—it's such a social faux pas to to um, acknowledge race. It 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 automatically puts you on the lowest road, and and it puts it puts it doesn't necessarily put every dumb person on a higher road. It just affords the you could be the most racist person in the room in a in a way that I would consider genuinely racist, i.e having real actual (laughs) unconscious like thoughts that need to be unpacked about the inferiority of people who are different from you. Um, And you could easily learn or accidentally stumble into through fear a socially acceptable behavior that will get you through the hippest party, the smartest panel. You won't be exposed, you're, you know, as a person who needs to learn more shit if you just keep your mouth shut. Whereas if you talk about stuff and ask questions and reach out, you, you're, you're, you're at risk. Your chance of yeah. coming, of getting crucified um, increase like by orders of magnitude.
3: Yeah. You're basically doing the opposite of that by having this podcast, which is you're 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 being you're willing to be the lightning rod. In the uh, in the pursuit of just advancing the conversation.
8: Yeah. And so I'm sorry, millennials, if you if you sit around and talk about nothing but race, that's great. And I, I, I you're right. I'm wrong. So that's a great example. We waited that long.
3: <laughs> well, I think that I, I mean, I think that this is like the wokest generation. But that's all that's uh, here's the thing. It's like I also think this is a very, very divided uh generation and i think that there are like super woke millennials and i think there are millennials who don't want to talk about race or just like outwardly are so sick of what they think of as pc culture that they're going the opposite way which is like i want to get i want to say whatever the fuck i want and i don't care who it offends because i should be able to do whatever the fuck i want regardless of how it affects other people because i'm not a decent human being and i think another thing is that people are so afraid to be called racist like White people act like being called racist is worse than being a victim of racism, yeah. and uh, and I think that the problem is that people don't understand. And somebody somebody wrote the, wrote in that, uh, and I think this is such a great way to phrase it, which is that racism is a spectrum, and it's not just. Either you're a good person, you're a good progressive liberal person, or you're KKK. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all this middle ground in between that everybody falls under. Yeah, there's like,
8: a million ways to be racist. Yeah. And very, I mean, that was kind of the idea of the Pierce character on Community, by the way, was that he was a liberal, like a lot of baby boomers who were at Woodstock and, and things and loved the Beatles and followed them through their sitar phase and therefore understand the idea that equality is supposed to be a thing, but that make their their children cringe because in the pursuit of their of, of their definition of equality they're saying really embarrassing things and revealing that they still have separate sets of rules for precious black people who they mm-hmm. desperately want to help and see set free.
2: You can find more episodes on iTunes and Podbay. If you're on iTunes and you click the website link for the show you'll be taken to their site on Acast, which is at www.acast.com forward slash Wongs. Dan Harmon is on Twitter under at Dan Harmon, D-A-N-H-A-R-M-O-N. Jessica Gao is at Chairman Gao, C-H-A-I-R-M-A-N-G-A-O. And the soundcast can be reached at Whiting Wongs, which is W-H-I-T-I-N-G-W-O-N-G-S. Now it's time for our Burst of Durst. This one is titled Midterm Malfunctions in which our intrepid correspondent wants to tamp down the Democrats and their noisemakers, but that's redundant, isn't it?
9: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about how the Democrats might want to postpone the celebrations. Yeah, sure, they've had encouraging results in a few special elections and some early midterm primaries, but they are not to be trusted. Donald Trump's approval rating could sink lower than the sewer hose on a submarine, and Democrats still couldn't stir the electorate with a crowbar the size of Idaho. Do not be deceived into thinking that reclaiming the House of Representatives this November is a Kevin Durant fast-break slam dunk, because if anybody could blow a lead this late in the game, it's them. They are the kings of accidentally rolling over on the self-destruct button. No matter when, who, how, why, or where, they possess the uncanny ability to pluck defeat from the jaws of victory. Many ways of screwing up the midterms are within their grasp. And the following are not just the tip of the iceberg, but the crust on the nostrils of the dead elephant seal curled around the tip of the iceberg. How the Democrats could screw up the midterms. Lousy candidates. And don't forget, their bench is full of them. Horrible timing. These folks would wear a Yankees hat, the Fenway. The entire party pretending to be Republicans with a heart. Hillary Clinton writes another book. Barbara Streisand tries to help. Anthony Weiner gets an early release from prison. Two words. Bernie freaking Sanders. The Democrats' insistence on eating their own. Does the term Al Franken have any meaning here? Nancy Pelosi talks for another eight hours straight, causing people to remember, hey, she's a Democrat, isn't she? And finally, an inability to stop worrying about the trivial stuff. No more internal fights over whether the newest presidential rebuke should be printed with green or blue ink. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. I am.
2: My thanks again this week to Will Durst. If you go to willdurst.com, you'll see an impressive website laid out like a newspaper with the title, The Will Durst Journal, which has all his dates and deets for Durst Case Scenario Midterm Madness, which you can see live as of March 2018 at The Marsh at 1062 Valencia, San Francisco, California. And you can call the theater for more information, area code 415-826-5750 or visit themarsh.org. That's T-H-E-M-A-R-S-H dot O-R-G. And of course, you can contact Mr. Durst on Twitter, at Will Durst, and Mr. Durst has a fan page on Facebook. Alrighty, now back into the clippage. Here's a soundcast I first heard of when its hosts were featured on Harmontown recently. This clip requires a little extra setup, so let me give you the rundown. On its iTunes description, it says, the podcast about chain restaurants. Comedians Mike Mitchell and Nick Weiger review fast food slash sit-down chains and generally argue about food-slash-everything. Nick Weiger's mini-bio on IMDb states, Nick Weiger is a writer and actor known for NTSF, SD, SUV, Matthew Perry's Testimony, Part 2, and A Christmas Story, colon, Only I Didn't Say Fudge, from 2013. Also from IMDb, Mike Mitchell's bio describes him as, quote, an actor and writer known for The Birthday Boys, Love, and Michael Bolton's Big Sexy Valentine's Day special guest of this episode, Bobby Lee, who is credited with appearing on 126 episodes Wrong. of the long-running sketch comedy show Mad TV from 2001 to 2009, has also appeared in the series Love. This presentation is from an episode dated February 2, 2017 called Taco Bell 3 with Bobby Lee. I'm going to deviate slightly from the norm in terms of presentation for this next bit of soundcastery. That is to say, in this case, I felt that an extra bit of creative plating, if you will, might serve the content of the soundcast better. So in the episode description, it says the boys are back at Taco Bell again. Bobby Lee, Mad TV, Tiger Belly podcast, who appears with Mitch on Netflix's Love joins for the most derailed off format episode yet. Bobby tells Weiger and Mitch to abandon the premise of their show and advises Mitch on his love life. So the Soundcast opens with this amazing essay.
10: China's Sorrow, the Scourge of the Sons of Han. These are the nicknames of Huan He, known in English as the Yellow River. The second longest river in Asia, its ominous alternate nomenclature is because of its historically frequent fatal floods. Yet it's also the equivalent of the Fertile Crescent of ancient Chinese civilization. And in 5000 BCE, the Neolithic Yang Shao people flourished by its shores. Pioneering many innovations in agriculture and construction, the Yang Shao were also avid at pottery, and in the 3rd millennium BCE, built the first known instances of a round, hollow instrument with a clapper inside that struck a musical note when rung. Centuries later, in 500 CE, on the other side of the world, the Nahua people split off from the Udo Aztecans and migrated to sell in an area now known as Central America. By the 13th century, members of the Nahua had organized into the Aztec Empire, and one of their staple foods was a flatbread made of ground, pressed maize that they called... Tlazcali. The Aztecs and nearby indigenous people took to filling the flat corn cakes with fish, and by the time Spanish colonials arrived, it was an established local cuisine. The infamous Cortez was said to have indulged in a feast of the dish. Spanish colonials would redub Tlazcali as tortillas, after the similarly shaped Spanish-style egg dishes of the same name. And they had a different name altogether for the dish that consisted of a tortilla stuffed with meat. In the mid-20th century CE, an American World War II veteran combined these two items of disparate century and continent. The tolling chime, the protein-filled corn cake, to form the branding of his restaurant, which would go on to gain global cultural influence of its own. This week on Doughboys, we return, once again, to
2: Taco Bell. Going forward a bit in time, the overall mood of the episode presents itself.
10: Bobby, so yeah. you're wearing. A, I have to comment on something. I wasn't gonna talk about this, but you you took off this very cool leather jacket, and you've got a Metallica "Ride the Lightning" shirt. Yes. Are you a Metallica uh-huh. fan?
11: I like the first three albums. I like "Kill 'Em All." I like "Ride the Lightning." Hell I like of yeah. Puppets." Oh, that's cool. Good. And then after that, I'm just like done. You're not on board with Anjustice Justice for All." It's a couple of songs in there I like, but right. um, yeah, I mean Whiskey it's a good the album. Jar. Sure, that... yeah, okay, it's <laughs> a fun one. But I'm more of i um, I'm more of a CBGB guy. Mm. Okay, yeah, I like television and um, talking heads and all those like Ramones I like that New York scene I mean I, I started with the velvet underground and then like people don't people don't know that about me because I'm more of a I'm in a mainstream I do mainstream comedy I'm not sure. like cool like you guys alternative for unsuccessful mm-hmm. here <laughs> no but that's what it is um
8: I hey, with with the birthday you know when the birthday boys were first uh, pitching our show around
11: uh, we we were working with this guy Dick Blasucci who was a great oh, guy Oh, you know I shit on his uh, in his office <laughs> did you know that No. I did not know that but he I, he I I remember him only speaking highly of you and well I I love him but I shit in his office <laughs> like in his office bathroom or no in, no, his no, office in the office? floor why did you do that well two reasons okay number one he lied to me oh no. Yeah, he- I, He told you it was a bathroom? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I, go, I knew that Jackie Chan um was going to play, be in Mad TV, so I wrote him a letter. I was new on the show, okay. and I go, please, can I just- I don't even have to have a line. Can I just be an extra? And I wrote him a letter. I've never written a letter before, so that's a big deal for me. Right. Mm. I barely know how to write. <laughs> so then I, I put it on his desk, and then I was watching the show months later, and he was on it, and I wasn't in it. Oh, man. And so one day- um, I walked into his office and Nicole Parker and Ike Baronholtz mm-hmm. they were writing a sketch, and um I go, stick this Tums in your butthole. <laughs> stick a Tums in yeah, your butthole. Yeah, because but- there's like, like a little roll of Tums. Okay. So I normally would go because if I you know if I'm not mad at Dick, I'd be like, nah, that's rude. But then I went, Oh, okay. You know, and then so I stuck it in, and then something surprising happened. It foamed. Really, did you know that? no, <laughs> yeah, it foamed like a like a mad dog, oh and it made a God. noise like, like you externally know. you could you could see the foam or just you, feel it, yeah, you could feel it and see it, wow, yeah, and then, and now everyone's laughing, like i'm laughing, tears coming on down my eyes, uh-huh. Nicole and i they're laughing, and then. I tried to fart out the Tums because there was like three of them in there and they had dissolved to like little pellets but then so those three came out and then a shit came out (laughs) right and obviously like and then it it was on the ground and then now we're all we can't breathe (laughs) because it's the funniest thing you know and then he walks in and he sees it all and he goes clean it up and then he walks out wow I didn't get in trouble or anything yeah, so But it's kind of a humorless response, it sounds like. It's not cool to poop in somebody's office. right?
2: Approximately an hour elapses before Taco Bell is discussed at any great length. Then there's essentially another hour to listen to after that. And it's all very entertaining. So if you want to check out this entire episode of Doughboys to see how it shakes out or any other episode of the Soundcast, you can visit doughboys.libsyn.com. You can go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbay. You can go to Doughboys Podcast on Facebook. And you can go to doughboys.wikia.com for a wiki on the podcast. A wiki for a podcast. How do we get one of those? Hmm. This
0: portion of Suckatash is brought to you by Henderson's Breakaway Trousers. For the first time available to the public, Henderson's Breakaway Trousers are the ideal solution for you, whether you are a man suffering from weak bladder syndrome or premature ejaculation. How many times have you been running late for that important business meeting only to find that your bratty bladder doesn't care about snaps, buttons, zippers, and belts? And who hasn't been on that date of a lifetime with that hottie that everyone wants to bang? You'd like to make a good showing, but gosh darn it, those pesky spermatozoa want out, and they want out now. Friends, when you're sporting a pair of Henderson's breakaway trousers you've got the confidence to know that you'll be down to nothing in no time at all. And before you can say, Jack Robinson, it's bombs away and you're good to go. Originally designed for the military, the theater, and penitentiary, penitentiary, jails, Henderson's Breakaway Trousers are available online and wherever fine pants are sold. Available soon in women's styles, too. That's Henderson Breakaway Trousers, and now back to more of Succotage
9: Henderson's breakaway trousers. Man, I wish I had a pair on right now. I really could use them.
2: And of course, at the tail end of that, there was the voice of none other than our executive producer, Mark Hershon. Those Henderson's pants ads are part of what drew me to Suckatage originally as a listener. What was a fine program long before I got involved. Next, Soundcast up is Wife of the Party podcast. Now, if you listen to comedian Burt Kreischer's Soundcast Burtcast on the All Things Comedy Network. You might have heard his wife, Leanne Kreischer, appear as a guest in some of the episodes. On January 31st, 2018, Leanne's very own soundcast dropped on iTunes, and the description of the show overall reads as follows. Quote, Wife of the Party, the Leanne Kreischer Podcast. Wife of comedian Bert Kreischer talks to friends in the man cave about marriage, family, and what it's like to be married to the life of the party. Now this clip is from episode 3, posted on February 15th, of 2018. And in the description of the episode, it reads, I sit down with my friends, Kathy, Tracy, and Margaret, to talk about my dates with Narada, what a pain applying to school is, what it is like to have kids in 8th grade, having the drug talk, and dealing with moody teenagers.
12: What do you think is the number one stress for your daughters right now at 13? What do you think is the number one thing that stresses them out?
3: Oh, gosh. Hmm. Um, Time, maybe? Homework? Time management. Time management yeah much
12: those damn cell phones i think for georgia it's not uh feeling like her every minute is scheduled even though it's really not i think she feels that way it makes her feel like she doesn't have any like relaxed time even though she does like she writes in a journal all the time but i think she feels like we're just constantly on this hamster wheel of life and um I think that's her number one stress. What do you think is their challenge, their challenge at school? Any challenges they have at school?
5: Navigating
12: the... I think girls, you know, friendships. I think that's... They're trying to figure all that out. The social aspects. I think we're all pretty lucky that, you know, our girls have good friends. Yeah. And we're very fortunate for that. That's another thing I'm really bummed about, the whole high school situation. And that, on one hand, we should be fortunate that we have so many choices, but the girls will probably all go to different high schools yeah they will and then we have to start this uh social roller coaster over again yeah yeah because our our girls the there's like a little group of girls that are in show choir and those show choir girls tend to they seem to be helping each other a lot with homework they're like networking what do you have for this answer on this question and did you finish the science lab? What? When does it due? And they really support each other. They Facetime each other and do homework together. And that's gone when we go to high school. I'm like, what a bummer.
5: Yeah, but they'll really find great... other kids to they do that with. They but will. It is,
12: it is cool that they have it. It'd yeah. be nice if we would just continue on. <laughs> they just keep on going. What about the other stress at school, like the um, like the boy stress? And I know that there was recently a kid expelled from school. Yeah, I heard about for... that. Doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. I didn't know. I didn't hear that. I heard about it last night. Mm. <clears throat> what did he do? He was caught vaping, I believe. Oh, well,
5: they also caught kids smoking,
12: smoking pot. pot. They didn't kid kick them out.
5: Smoking cigarettes. I and think mm-hmm. he's a repeat offender. Oh, I see. I think yeah. he, he's. I
12: think he's a little more than just smoking. Mm-hmm. I think for this particular kid, it's uh, a kid
5: who needs a little more help. Do you need with direct name? Don't say you may here, need but, a parent. Yeah. Okay, what? That's, oh, yeah. that's the
12: problem is that, you know, parents aren't
5: active. Yeah. I
12: don't, I don't know about that. I don't know him personally, but I feel like if that's happening, something's, there's a disconnect somewhere. Yeah. Uh, vaping
5: though. It's not like the end of the world, but who knows what else he had?
12: Well, yeah. And who knows? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know him, him personally. I don't know his parents, but
5: no. I mean, when you pull in a larger socioeconomic group, you've got all the all the different types of people from all the community you've got you know parents (laughs) when Xander went there he's coming home going mom what's this mean I'm like where did you hear that or mom did you know this show why do you know that you know these kids are exposed to more we have our bubble we're all super active parents you know for the most part we know what our kids are watching and doing right And we monitor it, and we say, no, that's not appropriate. And then you've got all the kids whose parents aren't doing that. Maybe they're both working full-time, and they don't have the luxury of spending the kind of time that we are able to spend with our kids, so they don't have that. Right. And that's hard, because then you've got those kids bringing that information in. Right. And whether it be vaping or whatever else, it's just, it's kind of the terrain. So in the eighth grade, what were you guys doing?
12: Any bad behaviors from mm. you guys in the eighth grade? The kids aren't going to hear this, are they? No.
5: <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless Margaret plays it for them going to school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Benny wanted to listen, and I thought, well, he maybe did. I should ask. Yeah. Except he for was,
6: the was the very really beginning. excited. He really wanted to know all about the, what was going on oh, That's cool.
12: The yeah. middle of it is probably a little more appropriate than the beginning, because yeah. Sandy's talking about the microphone as... Mm-hmm. A, as Right. Other things. Genitalia. Yeah. So, hmm. Uh, <laughs> Tracy so, uh, just once <laughs> I know I know it's a repeat theme it's, it is kind of phallic come on it's in your face a little bit phallic bad behavior 8th grade yeah. yeah yeah what was your bad behavior i am I going to say but Why? you know I, I you know I, know I went to a
6: Catholic school
5: and...
12: but do you think that bad behavior would be repeated in your kids
5: no my kids are way way cleaner than I was I wonder if your mom said that my mom your um, mom said thought, that about you your
12: mom was so like, busy she had so my, many kids and my mom yeah. had
5: no idea what i was doing no my mom no there's too many kids and my mom was wording.
12: not speaking to me at the time <laughs> so she didn't know what i was doing either eighth grade i was a good kid though my stuff started in ninth grade mm. when i got to high school i got in trouble i started drinking in ninth grade yeah i um, like drinking so because well, um, your mom wasn't talking to you that yeah, was part of it. Yeah. My dad was working, you know, till 10 o'clock at night, six yeah. days a week. Not and, a lot of supervision going uh, on there. Pretty much none. And, you know, shifting from one, from my mom's house to my dad's house, I thought it was going to be like it was when I went home on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go home mm-hmm. every other weekend, I was the complete focus. But when you live with the parent every day, that's not possible. But nobody really tells you that when you're, you know, 13, 14 yeah. years old. And you think it's going to be the all, you know, all about me when I get to my dad's house. And all of a sudden I'm doing laundry, I'm cooking meals. I'm, you know, it's Living just life. me and him. Yeah. And were you like, what the hell? I didn't sign up for this. Oh no. I was so grateful to be there and not in my mother's oh. house. I was so grateful to be where I was. But in hindsight, I look back and go, I, that, that transition was not parented pretty much at all. And, uh, I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I just ran amok. I mean, I started drinking. I did. I ran amok, 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 amok. I ran amok. I was amok.
2: You can listen to more episodes of Wife the Party on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also posted on YouTube. You can visit www.wifeotp.com. That's W-I-F-E-O-T-P dot com. And you can reach out to Leon Greiser on Twitter at L-E-E-A-N-N-W-O-T-P. I'd also like to point out the delightful live reads the Ann and Bert do for Birdcast's various sponsors. As a fan of advertising, I'm quite partial to their Blue Apron reads. I've heard quite a few different Soundcasters do variations on takes on Blue Apron's talking points over the years. Birdcast is in my top five, right next to Paul Shear's reads on the soundcast he co-hosts called How Did This Get Made, which I will likely be sampling soon. And finally tonight, The Movie Court. How to describe this one. The description on iTunes says, Overrated Classics. Unsung masterpieces. One prosecutor, one defense attorney, and one judge. The podcast that puts the movies you love or hate on trial to decide their fate once and for all. It's a great description. The soundcast is as though each film was on trial to be sentenced to movie jail, with amusing results. So the prosecutor, or prosecutor Kruger, is writer Stephen Kruger. The defense is Kyle Bornheimer, and the judge's name is Ryan, although I can't find any more information on... If Judge Ryan has more to his name, or if his name is actually Judge Ryan or perhaps Ryan Judge. No clue. Steven Kruger also co-hosts Nooner, the soundcast that broadcasts live from Kevin Smith's podcast internet radio station very nearly every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Nooner is hosted by Marty Yu of Veronica Mars fame and Cassandra Cardenas of Ladies Lunch Productions. The first episode of the Movie Court is listed on iTunes as having dropped August 11, 2015. The clip I've selected for you is from the 12th episode, posted November 20th, 2015. The film Inception is put on trial, and according to the episode description on iTunes, Steve claims Inception is a walking nightmare and should be put away for life, while Kyle defends it as a stellar wet dream of a movie in this week's courtroom battle royale.
13: Okay, well, uh, let me give a brief synopsis of this movie for our listeners who have never seen this movie. I don't know why... Good uh, luck. I'm going to go to the bathroom uh, (laughs) during that, so if I'm (laughs) quiet, I seriously have, I've got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) According to IMDB, the leading resource on movies in general... The synopsis of this movie, a thief who steals corporate secrets through use of the dream-sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. All right, first of all, that logline gave me a boner. Fuck yeah, make that movie and get billions and millions, millions and millions of
10: dollars to do it. Yes, if any filmmaker that turns that down, fuck them. That's exactly what movies should be made of because of the logline that you just said. But go ahead.
13: Uh, this is, <laughs> all right, sustained. <laughs> I sustained the the prosecution's uh, statement there. Sustained, sustained. Uh, no, this is a ballsy movie, and this is actually one of the few. We never see original content made into a $200 million movie, aside from Christopher Nolan movies. And after, what was his last movie, the outer space movie? What was that uh, Interstellar. Interception <laughs> Stellar. Inception Stellar.
10: He's making only in movies now.
13: Uh, okay, so um, let's uh, begin this. Steve, your, um, your first point regarding Inception. Begin.
14: Well, I'd like to uh, strangely open up with a compliment for this film. And I re- it was the first thing I wrote down, first thing in Discovery, as uh, I was deposing <laughs> this film, a.k.a. watching it on my computer and fucking in misery. Um, but... Leonardo DiCaprio's hair is amazing. Oh, it's well, we it's, the, it's the best, the best special effect in DiCaprio the movie. DiCaprio hair. It is yeah. uh, just thick and wavy and it just starts nowhere and ends nowhere. It's like a Mobius strip. I'm lost in it. He is, as a, as a panel of three follically challenged men, I am in awe of his hair. He is a powerful, powerful man.
13: It's legit too. It's like, good stuff. As, you know, it's it's real. There's there's, there's no uh, there's no work going on. That's not that that's God not augmented
14: like Ben Affleck's or plugs yeah. like Sylvester Stallone. It is mesmerizing.
13: I, I have to give a
14: compliment where a compliment is due. Sure. His hair is far <laughs> more interesting than any secondary character in the movie. I had more of a relationship with his hair than Ellen Page. Uh, looper guy, uh, Mad Max, uh, Indian guy, whatever his fucking name is. Uh, it was his hair was the the s- second billing. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. His hair, Inception. <laughs> that's that's what the poster should have been. Other than that, I have uh, uh, nothing else good to say about the movie.
13: <laughs> well, I give you credit for that. that that's more than you give. Uh, you've given a lot of the the movies you're prosecuting, and and it
14: it, it might be enough to to exonerate this movie. His hair was not enough. I needed to see some pubes or something, or his cottontail. Or- <laughs> Show I can me-
13: only imagine his pubes are as well-coiffed as yeah. his oh, head.
14: Like a golden hour, you know, across the Pacific Ocean as the sun sets. It must just be beautiful, golden hour Well, and, and like every and-
13: movie star, I'm sure he has an entire team of people devoted specifically to tending to his pubes. I, I would hope and pray that he does.
14: Also, does does the movie not begin on a on a bullet train? Is it in Japan in the beginning when they've got the Ken Watanabe, whatever his name is? I was just on a bullet train. I walked the whole train. There are no compartments where you can lay down and have a little party like they were doing. So, just details, guys. But aside from the hair and the bullet train fuck up, um, I think the movie is filled with so much exposition. The movie explains and explains and overexplains itself. And I really think there's a cool concept in there. I I, I was excited to see the movie. But they're so afraid that the viewer is too dumb to follow along that they hit you over the head over and over. Even to the point where an hour in the movie, they're still explaining the rules of this world. And either be an art film where, hey, catch up, play along. What was that one with Scarlett Johansson where she's an alien under the skin? There's like five lines of dialogue. You have, to, you have to put some shit together in your head. Or make a popcorn movie.
2: And if you want to hear more episodes of The Movie Court, they are on iTunes and SoundCloud. They haven't dropped an episode since January 1st of 2016, but I'm reluctant to send this show to the Soundcast graveyard just yet. If you want to get their attention, they invite you to, quote, yell at us on Twitter, unquote, where the show's Twitter handle is at The Movie Court, T-H-E-M-O-V-I-E, C-O-U-R-T. Or you can email them at court at gmail.com. Steven Kruger is on Twitter at Stephen Kruger, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-R-U-E-G-E-R. And Kyle Bornheimer is on Twitter at K-Y-L-E-B-O-R-N-H-E-I-M-E-R. Before I leave, I'd like to give an acknowledgement to a couple of soundcasters. First, a shout-out to host Steve Owens of Fascination Street, a soundcast I featured in the episode of Psychotash before this one. Mr. Owens has been very vocal on Twitter about having been featured in Suckatash, and I appreciate it a great deal. Cheers, sir, and thank you for passing the Suckatash. Iraj Lopez of High Content Podcast has also given Suckatash a a shout-out on his 29th and a half episode of his soundcast. It goes a little something like this.
1: Oh, also, uh, shout-out to Tyson Sander uh, from the Suckatash podcast and uh, his his other podcast, and I'm going to look at it right now. And uh, I should... I should, I should I should I should just know it, but Tyler Sander, he's showing me mad love. I show him love. It I fuck with all his podcasts and all his shit he does. Um, the anti-social show. I don't know why it that was so hard for me to remember, but his his shit is awesome. You should check it out. Uh, he featured me recently in uh, one of his uh, uh comedy clip shows, where they they just talk. They just, like show clips of uh, different podcasts from around the area, not around the area, from ra- around the podcast. Uh, dungeon. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, he took a clip from the, uh, I want to boil a gallon of cum episode. I believe that's episode 26 or 27. Um, and that still holds true. I still want to do that. I still, I still need 128, uh, men to gather up and in one, in one room and all come simultaneously into a bucket. So then we could take said bucket and then boil it and see what comes of it. Uh, perhaps cancer treatments. You don't know. Um, no, I'm not gonna eat chips right now on the podcast. What, what are you thinking, at Rush?
2: Now, High Content Podcast is one of several soundcasts that I listen to regularly and try to stay current with. This is in addition to what might be several episodes of your soundcast when I'm combing the internet looking for digital bits of corn, bacon, or lima beans to incorporate into this succotash that is succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. If I hadn't been a consistent listener of high content, there's really no telling how long it may have been until I heard the kind words Mr. Lopez had for us. So if you do give or have given the show a mention in your soundcast, don't be shy. Contact me, Tyson Saner, on Twitter, at REVT23. Or executive producer Mark Hershon on Twitter, at H-E-R-S-H-C-O. And the show, at Succotash Show, S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H-S-H-O-W. That way, I'll be able to properly express my gratitude in as timely a fashion as I can. And that's another in the can, or the pan, as it were. If you haven't been entertained, I do hope the lingering scent of bacon is some small comfort. My thanks to you for listening. I would like to point out that if you get your Soundcast content from YouTube, you can also find episodes of Suckatash posted in audio-only video form on Executive Producer Mark Hershon's channel at m a r c h e r s. H-O-N. Be sure to like and subscribe so that we know you're out there. If you would like to support the show in another way, visit the show's main site at suckatash.libsyn.com. Click on the Amazon banner and shop normally and a percentage will go to us to help offset server costs. Mostly, however, I'm grateful each and every time you decide to spend time with us here, so I'll bid you farewell for now and gently remind you to please pass the suckatash.
0: You've been listening to Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Sainer, brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHot Radio, and on <laughs> the laughable app. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash Hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. The number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at itale.com u Suckatash. Production of Suckatash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Sainer. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durgis. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash.
8: Goodbye.